Hey, everybody. Welcome in again to Coaches in Q. Uh, we are here today at Edley's Barbecue, and we have a very special guest with us today, Christ Presbyterian Academy head coach, Ingle Martin. Coach, thank you for joining us. And, uh, yeah. I apologize for the bass cannon. Hey, if you hear a concert in the background, think nothing of it. Uh, we are out here on a very, very comfortable porch, I, I tell you. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Well, Coach, you, you had a, uh, a very successful year this year. Um, yeah, what, uh, let me just ask, how, how are things going uh, so far? Um, good, good. Yeah, we uh, – you know, obviously coming out of um, 2020, uh, had a bunch of um, new things that we had to experience, you know. Um, mm -hmm. No one has ever gone through what any of us all went through as coaches last year. And uh, I'm sure you guys have had a lot of people on here that talk about um, just what that was like. But, you know, just for the kids and the coaches, it, it really was just uh, almost new every week. You know, you're waiting on different things to come down and – State government said one thing, city government said another. <laughs> Our school straddled Williamson and Davidson counties, and so uh, it was it was crazy. But uh, really proud of our kids and, and everything that they uh, persevered through, and, and uh, it's always fun to win the last one. I imagine that it was probably about a year ago this time we were all sitting in listening to border control meetings, listening to what they were going to possibly do about football right. season. I mean, those are meetings we don't really want to listen to anymore, <laughs> aren't they? Yeah, yeah, no question. Yeah, it. Um, you know, it, it was something obviously no one had ever navigated through, but but really our hats are off to to all the people that worked so hard to make sure that high school kids were able to play. You know, a lot of states they shut down everybody. At least uh, at least our governor and our board allowed it uh, to be up to, to counties and and cities and um, uh, you know in private schools to the to the headmasters and and the people running the schools. And so we uh, we, we were just fortunate. I mean, that was kind of our mantra each week. Uh, you know, 2020 gave us perspective, and so our kids every every Friday night, uh, it was the easiest year I've ever had of pregame talks because it was, hey boys, we're blessed to just be able to play Friday night. Go out and enjoy it because it might be your last. And literally, you know, uh, several schools got shut down in the playoffs. I mean, how horrible would that be to to lose your season based on something that you had no no control of? Didn't even get to get have a chance to go play for it. So. Uh, for, for everything that, that it was, uh, very grateful to have played and, and extremely um, just humbled to, to be able to, to have won the last game. It was a phenomenal year. Well, I'm, I'm going to look over uh, just kind of uh, you've been the head coach from 2011 to the present. That's right. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, we've been, I've been known – I do my research. Sometimes I don't do it right. So if I make a mistake, please correct me. Uh, 117 and 23 in career. I have no idea. But sound, <laughs> sound, sounds good. It's and ten, three state ten, champions. Ten yes. years worth, yeah. Ten okay. years worth. It's it's hard to keep track. Hey, it's high school football. Some of that uh, some of that data's uh, a bit flawed sometimes. <laughs> that anyway. is the diplomatic coach answer if I've ever heard it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about a uh, little bit about your time at CPA. Uh, how many uh, years were you an assistant high school coach before you started it? Uh, took over as head coach. Well, well I think um, I, I'm obviously going into my 12th year of coaching but um I, I certainly appreciate the kind of the unique track that uh that my career has been on um you know only coached one year at Innsworth uh with my head coach Ricky Bowers who was um you know AD and 
basketball coach there. And so I was able to coach football and basketball in 2010, 2011, and, uh, and then had the opportunity at CPA, and, and that's been the last 10 years. So uh, certainly um, not a normal track, uh, but, but for me, you know, I think, um, you know, God's timing was, was a lot more important than what I wanted to do. And uh, he opened up a door, and, and my wife and I uh, stepped through it together. She actually stepped through it three years before I did. She's been at CPA I guess this will be her 14th year. And so, um, you know, it's, it's been fun. You know, we have two boys, and both of them have uh, been born and have started school, and we've got one going into sixth grade and one going into third grade. So wow. we've got all four of us over there. It's, it's been really, really special. Outstanding. Well, when, when you first took over, you, you, you kind of took, a, as you said, a, a little bit different path. Um, when you were trying to establish your culture over at CPA, uh, what comes first, establishing your staff or establishing the program expectation with the kids? Well, I, uh, you know, early on knew that, um, you know, places are, are special uh, because of the people that, you know, that really that God puts in those places. Um, you know, buildings are buildings. They're all made out of the same stuff. Uh, weight rooms, some are nicer than others, but they're all just made out of, you know, whatever. Um, right. They all got certain amount of weight in them you know fields are nice they're either grass or turf you know all all that's great but uh really i I believe people make it and since uh since cpa started that they've always had just um something different there uh that that really drew people and, and drew me you know i grew up here in nashville and had a bunch of friends that went to cpa and um you know there was something different about them and i was fortunate enough to be able to play um in college with a couple guys from CPA and uh, really got to appreciate them from afar. And then obviously being able to step in there as a, as a coach, that's really what, what I tried to focus on early on was, was just getting the right type of people. Um, and so we, we were very fortunate, um, had a lot of really good guys on staff, Steve Linger. Um, gosh, he, he's been there a long time. He's, he's actually worked with every head coach that's coached at CPA um, I forget how many years I have to look at him and ask him at our at our meetings, you know, when we're introducing the staff. But uh, but he's been just a, just a rock for CPA football. Um, you know, a guy that that uh, knows the ins and outs, knows the story and the arc of what CPA football has been. You know, he was there when the games were held at Bellevue Middle School. A lot of people don't remember that, but CPA started out with no field, and so they played over at Bellevue Middle. Um, I actually went as a high school kid and watched them play against a really good Trousdale County team um, over at Bellevue Middle, and I remember that game. So uh, we moved into our stadium in 1999, and, and so anyway, so you got Steve Linger who's been around, and uh, he was one of the first guys that I saw when I got the job. And so, uh, and then just had some other guys come in. Um, Steve Haywood, who just left us actually after 10 years, to take the Lakeway Christian job, the new school up in East Tennessee near Morristown. And um, he left college football, um, had two young daughters at that time. Now they're going to be in eighth grade and sixth grade. So just just a lot of life happened the last 10 years. But, but again, you asked about the culture. The culture for us started with the people. Um, we have a, you know, arguably for me, I, of course, I think he's the best, but Brian Epps is our strength coach and uh, has done an amazing job um, with, with our kids. You know, we, we really believe in that part of our program. And um, our defensive coordinator, Ryan Taylor, uh, this will be his ninth year. He came on our second year. And another guy that left college football because he wanted to do something different, um, started a family. He's got two young boys and has done a tremendous job coaching. And, and then here recently, kind of a 
just again talking about the people and the culture a guy that I was in Bible study with our wives were in a couple's Bible study back in 2008 together Leroy Harris and so Leroy came and again his oldest son's going to be a sophomore and in that Bible study he was a little kid in diapers you know running around and so right. just crazy but Leroy's coaching our O-line um, and then our, our last two hires are guys that actually played for us and uh Young guys that we brought back. And so, uh, Cole Smith and Houston Nichols are those two guys. So, anyway, uh, there's no question for us. It, it wasn't anything more than getting the right type of people. And I, I, may, get a, I may get a similar question, but I'm going to go yeah. ahead and ask this, but, or a similar answer. But, you know, you went to your first finals in 2013, win your first championship in 2014, you win again in 18 and 20. What is the formula for your consistency? Um. You know, I think uh, we were, again, we were very fortunate um, early on to play against some really good coaches and good people. 2011 and 12, we got it handed to us by Jeff Morris and the Milan Bulldogs. And so at that time, um, you know, Milan was still is, you know, one of the best programs in the state. If, if you guys have ever been down, I'm not sure if you've been to a game at Milan, but uh, just a different place. Uh, people love football there. It means a lot. And so for us coming in as a new staff, getting to play in one of the most historic rich programs in the semifinals back-to-back -back years, we learned a lot. And we thought we knew a little bit about football, but Coach Morris taught us pretty quickly that there's a there's a difference in what high school football needs to be at that level. And so he, he taught us about how to have tough teams. You know, his teams were tough. Um, taught us how important it was to have a good run game, how important it was to have good defense. And then just the way that th those guys coached, every single guy on their staff was into the game, you know, they took it as serious as you possibly can. And right. um, and certainly, uh, you know, people, I don't think, appreciate your, your losses some, but we sure did. And so Jeff Morris taught us a ton, him and his staff. And and then you mentioned getting there in 2013 to the first Blue Cross Bowl for our staff. Um, you know, that, that was against the, 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 the guy that has rewritten every record in Tennessee, Gary Rankin and his staff. And so – when you go up and your first three playoff losses are against Jeff Morris and Gary Rankin, you learn a lot about what it takes to be successful because those two guys have been to the mountaintop. They've seen it. And, uh, and, and clearly for us, um, you know, it was a, a great opportunity because we, we got it handed to us, you know, th three years in a row. And so uh, that 2014 game probably still go down as one of the best championship games um, in the state, I mean, at any at any year, seven to nothing. I, I don't know that there's ever been a seven to nothing game in a state championship, and that was two really good teams in 2014 playing. And again, it was against Gary Rankin and and the Alcoa Tornadoes and their unbelievable coaching staff. Um, Brian Nix, their defense coordinator. I don't know why he's not a head coach somewhere, except that he, you know, I'm sure Coach Rankin's told him he's going to be the next guy at Alcoa. There's got to be something there because he's he's tremendous as a coach, and so. Um, yeah, so that seven nothing game. I mean, it's it's incredible, you know, to to play to an old school kind of Smash Mouth brand of football, um, and to to have won it in that moment. Because really, what we saw in those early years was just the toughness that it took to to win at that level. And so you you asked kind of what what led to that consistency. It really for us started um, started in the weight room with uh, with our guys working out. Started with how we practice. Um, the intensity with which we practice, um, the consistency with which our coaches coach every day, 
um, every rep, you know, and, um, and and really I think, you know, when you look at really good coaches, and, and obviously in 2021 everyone thinks of a great coach, think of Nick Saban. If you watch him, he doesn't take plays off, you know. Right. In games, practices, mm-hmm. he's, yep. he's zeroed in. He's not thinking about his golf game. He's not thinking about his vacation. And that's really hard. Um, and, and I see that same thing in guys like Gary Rankin. You know, th- there are no plays that Gary Rankin wasn't zeroed in. And, and that's, that's very unique. A lot of people can win one. Um, you can get to one championship. Maybe you can get to a semifinal. Um, but I, I really think those guys that have been able to do it over and over and over, George Corals, I mean, there's something there. And so, um, for us, we looked at some of those programs and, and how they did things and learned a lot from them. And, um, and honestly, you know, nothing's new under the sun. You know, uh, John Wooden is the greatest coach ever. You know, you look back at anything that he did, and it's all relevant to till today, um, anything that he did with his teams. And so, anyway, we, we didn't try to reinvent anything. We just uh, tried to go to work. Do you find it harder – or does it not make a difference to win more? To, to you know, the you, you talked about getting to the initial, the initial win. Do you find it harder after you've won to continue to build on that? Yeah, I, I think for us, you know, everyone's different. But our, our staff every year's its own year, it stands separate from every other year. Um, you know, this uh, twenty twenty one team. It's not going to be handled like any other team. There's certain things that we'll do um, that have worked with our staff in terms of preparation, in terms of um, how we look at the season, but we've never coached this group of guys before. And so uh, we don't say, hey, we always did it like this. That's how you're going to do it. We don't say, um, you know, this is always – worked or this didn't always work or this is this kid is exactly like this kid you know there's similarities but you got to appreciate the the unique qualities of each team and and all the players and and even the staffs I mean you know our staffs have been different by one or two guys every single year for the last 10 years and so what are everyone's strengths what are their weaknesses and and where can guys kind of step in and fill in for where those weaknesses are to try to lift up the whole group and so um you know this this year's team's going to be going to be different and that's the challenge that's for me you know getting out of bed putting my feet on the ground every morning is about that that challenge for this group because we we really believe at at cpa that um you know we we are just stewards of the positions that we hold you know i'm not cpa is going to go on long after i'm gone and so i'm just a steward holding this position um and i want to do the best i can and so what keeps me up at night or what gives me any bits of anxiety that I might have is I want to have these, you know, we got 110 kids or so on the roster this year. I want to give all 110 the very best opportunity that they could have in 2021. I'm not worried about 2020. I'm not worried about 2022. I want to worry about this year. I want to worry about tomorrow's workout, you know, mm-hmm. Wednesdays are off day. So what's, what's tomorrow's workout look like? What can we do so that, Every coach has a chance to be successful. Every kid has a chance to be successful. Um, and to me, taking care of all those little things along the way will lead to long-term success for, for the team this year. And so, uh, again, I've been very fortunate to have a bunch of guys pull pull the weight alongside of me, and all these guys love working with the kids. You know, um, this is not a business anyone gets into to be rich or famous. You know, high school coaching is a calling. Um, 
And it's really, I think, teaching is a calling. It, you know, it's it's a, it's a form of ministry if you're a believer. You know, yeah. To, to come in and spend time with people and, and not really get the the worldly rewards that uh, that the world says are important. And so, uh, all of these guys that are giving up their time to come in and coach high school football. They're doing it because they want to, not because they're saying, "Ooh, I'm going to be rich or famous from it." And so, uh, I think that's that's pretty unique um, when you really step back and look at why do guys like coaching high school football and you guys mentioned being Friday night fanatics you know all of us you know are drawn to um, things that are things that are pure you know and there's some purity about high school football that still exists though I I do I do fear that it's crumbling a little bit with with some of the stuff that's going on and you're starting to see it and basketball's been tainted for a long time Uh, but football I think it's coming behind it just with all the money that comes in and where money comes in things get complicated right. and so yeah. high school football I feel like is still the last kind of surviving trait because there is no summer AAU football yet even though they're trying to steal it and have these AAU seven on seven type tournaments and all this kind of stuff but I think we're all drawn to just the the, the chance to coach the kids that, that God brings through the door you know yeah uh, I know we're getting up against the break so I'm, I do want to get this one out uh, you talked about challenges you know, and you talked earlier about the strain of uh, social distancing, but as you were getting down towards the end stretch last year, was there anything that you did differently uh, as you started to get close to closer to the Blue Cross Bowl? Because, uh, you know, to, to make sure that, you know, did you have that constant worry that somebody was going to get sick or, or, you know, with uh, as you were getting down into the play- playoffs? Because ser- several teams – uh, well, a few teams had to actually forfeit mm-hmm. and not and didn't uh, get to play. Yeah, th- yeah. I mean, uh, uh, every you asked if we did anything different. Everything was different, you know. I mean, we, <laughs> our kids had to wear masks at practice, you know, yeah. for 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 one example. But um, you know, just the way that we prepared, the way that we met, um, you know, we didn't have the ability to meet in our locker room like we had in the past. It was a little bit too small of a place to have, you know, all hundred kids and ten coaches or. 20 coaches however many people show up each day <laughs> you know we got a, a revolving door of coaches sometimes but um the uh the biggest thing is just i think in 2020 you learned how to adapt if you couldn't adapt if you had to do it the way that you always had done it uh i think you would have driven yourself crazy and um every day was different and you just had to be okay with you know a kid calling in saying i'm sick or you know, shoot, uh, you know, I, I teach in the classroom, so I had two classes that, you know, a couple days I had three kids out of 17 present in class. So I'm trying to get Zoom and recording my classes and all. I mean, there everything was different this year. And so uh, I, I just think the uh, the difference was being okay with change, being okay with adapting. Um, but, but as far as people being sick, at, 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 at that point, it was what it was. You know, if, if a kid was out, um, you just hoped it wasn't all of your linemen like we had. You know, we, right. we lost all of our linemen and lost a couple games in the middle of the season. Um, and so to be able to play 11 games uh, for us was, was huge. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with Coaches and Q. One. Welcome back to Coaches and Q, 615 Preps. Again, here at Edley's Barbecue uh, with Coach Engel Martin. Now, Coach, you've got two strong leaders in Langston Patterson and Cade Law returning this year, among others. Um, that has to have you excited about this year's team. 
what can you tell me about these young men, maybe some of the up-and-coming players we're going to see this year? Yeah, certainly um, excited about the, the group we have coming back. You know, we've got um, a group of seniors who in 2019 were all little puppies. You know, uh, <laughs> we had just graduated a bunch with our 2018 team. Um, you know, several of those guys were playing college football, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of um, differentiation, if you will, in, in who was playing and who who was supposed to be playing and where people were going to be playing the next year. And so in 2019, a um, bunch of these kids all kind of showed us who they were. And, and by the end of the year, we had, I think, six of them starting on defense. And, you know, we're, we're a fourth down completion or incompletion, whichever one you, you think it was, uh, from, <laughs> from having a chance of winning a state championship with those kids in 2019. So uh, we're, we're certainly excited about them and, and their experience that they bring back. But, um, you know, Langston obviously is a different, different kid. Uh, you know, both he and Cade were on the uh, state championship baseball team. Just won it last week, and um, you know, two very God-gifted uh, athletes. You know, um, Langston uh, has as much ability as anyone we've, we've ever had, um, and with the, the situation that kind of has unfolded itself at Vanderbilt with uh, them hiring Clark Lee, who is Notre Dame's defensive coordinator. Um, you know, Coach Lee recruited Langston hard at Notre Dame and saw a lot in him, and when he got the Vandy job. I don't know that Vanderbilt could have hired anyone else that would have gotten Langston to commit. And so uh, that relationship really blossomed, and, and now Langston's going to be a Commodore, which is, which is huge because that, wow. that program's um, certainly going to benefit from having Coach Lee and his staff there. So Langston's just different. Uh, great linebacker, obviously, uh, but a lot of people don't understand what a, what a good running back he is. The state championship game, you know, he got, a, he got the ball a lot and – just did a tremendous job, you know, 220-pound kid that can run and move like a, you know, like a kid that weighs 40 or 50 pounds less. Um, right. And, you know, that's why, of course, he's got a chance to be a, an SEC linebacker and, and will have a chance to play on Sundays, um, you know, if God takes care of him and he continues to develop. So, again, extremely, extremely uh, excited to watch him this year. Um, he's gotten so much better the last two. I can't – it's really hard to believe that he has another year of high school football. It's crazy because – people ask me and I, I really felt like he's ready to go play college like his his body's ready his mind's ready he's a hard worker you know he does things the right way he, he's everything you want in a in a leader for sure um and then you know one of his best friends is Cade Law and Cade uh is, is a hard-nosed kid that um you know again he he got the ball a lot too in the championship another 215 220 pound kid that uh you know I was a big kid in high school and I weighed 205 and so to have uh, two kids that can run the ball at 220 is 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 huge for us this right. year. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know what a good defensive player Cade is. And so, obviously, he was a MVP of the game as a quarterback last year, and, and he's been All-State the last two years. But, um, you know, Cade may get a chance to play some defense this year, so we'll see what happens. Um, but he's, you know, got a bunch of Division One offers, um, also got Division One baseball offers. And so – uh, you know, he and I have talked about what a blessing that is. Not many kids get a chance to play one sport, let alone have both sports calling for your attention. Um, and so, uh, again, excited for him. And another one to get – he's ready to go on. Like, physically, <laughs> yeah. he's ready to go. And so, to be able to watch him play this year is going to be really exciting. And you asked about a couple of other kids. Uh, Reed Williford, um, who uh, – another one of the sophomores who started um, – 
I, I, I still call these seniors sophomores because they're like they're <laughs> yeah. you know for the last three years it's been oh the sophomores you know who's who's out there and so uh Reed's gonna be a senior and has played receiver and safety for us um he's actually been offered as an inside linebacker just got offered as a tight end today so great athlete that is athletic enough to play those skill positions for us but as he kind of projects to college uh, a lot of these guys like him as a as a really athletic linebacker or tight end and so Reed's going to have a chance to have a, a really special year we hope to do some different things with him um, and then we've got a couple other linemen that, that have done great Evan Carney didn't play as a sophomore he's he's one of the few that didn't but um, he uh, started left tackle last year for us all-state kid um, has gotten better and better and better he was the closer on the baseball team, wow. which is pretty unique, you know, to have these kids playing multiple sports. Reed Williford was a state champion in the 4 by one 4 by 2 and 4 by 4 So we love the kids doing more than, than just football. Um, and then Colin Stewart picked up, uh, picked up a couple offers as a defensive lineman. Just got an Ivy League offer today and has some service academy offers. So right now we got five kids. Um, with Division One offers, and so those are obviously the kids that that you that you will follow, and the recruiting websites will talk about. But there's several that um, might not be as heralded, but certainly as as important for us. Uh, George Collier played uh, probably more snaps than anybody on defense the last couple of years as a defensive lineman. Great lacrosse player, great hockey player, another multi-sport kid. Um, really excited to have him back. Bo Chance. Um, plays as hard as anybody that that we've ever had here. Just gives everything he's got. Plays played on the defensive line the last two years. We're we're going to call on all these guys who played a lot of defense to play some offense this year. You know, we still kind of believe in kids playing both ways and being able to help affect the game throughout the 48 minutes, not just on one side of the ball. Um, and just trying to think through, you know, s- some of these other kids that are going to have a chance to play. We got a lot of uh, spots opening up on our offensive line because we graduated five of our top six kids. And so we're excited to watch and see some of these guys develop um, see, and see what happens. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a really good group of, of seniors. Um, excited to watch these juniors and sophomores kind of step into a, a leadership role and a, and a chance to play. Um, Bo Burklow, who's, who's another member of the baseball team, uh, actually committed to Tennessee in baseball, but he's got a Division I football offer, and he'll, he'll just be a junior as a tight end outside linebacker type of kid and, you know, played as well as anybody in our state championship game, played really well at at our fullback position, really tough athletic kid. He's grown, you know, a couple inches since last year. You know, he's a big athletic, strong kid. So we're we're certainly excited about uh, about what the future holds in in this 2021 season. You get get an uh, additional or, uh, let's say, uh, another uh, successful – uh, team to join your area. You're going to uh, face off against Davidson Academy. Uh, they're joining your region. What? Uh, how do you feel about that and that that challenge? Well, I think uh, you know the the leagues that we've been in, and it's just funny you ask about that. I mean, we we uh, we've probably changed leagues or had different opponents more than anybody in the state. I, I would argue that very strongly in my 11 years. Um, you know, we started out playing. Teams from Metro, Maplewood, Pearl Cone, really grew a great relationship with Coach Brunetti at Pearl Cone. Learned a lot, just you know, again learning from coaches and staffs and teams. Learned a lot from Coach Brunetti, um, and that moved into a, the Southern Middle Tennessee, where we played Marshall County and and Giles County. Um, you know, played some of those schools, which 
you know, again, talking about great high school football venues, Pulaski, Tennessee, I don't know that there's a nicer high school stadium. I mean, that press box is like a mini Nayland Stadium, you know. It's unbelievable <laughs> down there. And so, uh, gotten to experience a lot. And so, this year adding Davidson Academy um, to a lot of familiar schools, you know, FRA, when I was in high school 20-something years ago, was the big rival for CPA. BGA was was one of the first games that CPA ever played. Maybe the first game that CPA ever played was against BGA. And so it was fun a couple years ago to kind of renew some of those. And Davidson Academy we played my first two years. So it will be fun getting them back on the schedule. But, um, you know, our league uh, for the Division II part of football in Tennessee um, has been – really good the last several years and um, you know I think we've had three out of the four semifinalists have been out of our league the last couple of years and so uh, if you if you come out of our league you, you've got a chance to, to do something and and so Davidson Academy joining obviously as the two or three time I don't know is it two or three in a row they've won yeah, three three yeah in yeah. single a so they're gonna be really good um, you know coach Paul Wade who's at DCA now had them rolling um, back in the in the mid two thousands, early two thousands, and so sounds like they've got them back going that way, and so it, it'll be good, man. We're we're excited and feel good about um, just the opponents that we play. Yeah, you guys also Lipscomb Academy has kind of reestablished a bit of a rivalry too. <clears throat> Last year, into the regular season, they they knock you off in that game, and then you come back in the championship game and win that one. What does that rivalry do for for the, the CPA program as far as the excitement? Well, you know, I think Coach McAdams, um, you know, uh, who, who's one of the, you know, great coaches in our area, uh, really did an unbelievable job. You know, he, he came and put that put that program on the map. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm uh, native here, you know. And so I, I remember the Lipscomb Academy teams or David Lipscomb Campus School yeah, teams. Yeah. You know, that was the, the name uh, that, that were really good. And so – uh, Coach Tillman had them had them going there for a little bit. You know, we played them, and they might have been one of the best teams we played in that 2014 season. Uh, we played them in the quarterfinals, and so that that program's always been really good. You know, I think last year they got back um, to the state championship game for the first time, I think since 2008 or nine or something like that. So I know that's exciting for their community. You know, they've got a lot of uh, strong fans and loyal fans, and um, you know, again, BGA's got tradition Davidson Academy's got tradition um and you know it's it's fun to to be able to play some of those those great schools and then you know being able to cross over and and play against uh Lausanne who's kind of an up-and-coming school and having gotten to play ECS and you know CAK we talked about 2011 2012 CAK won it those two years before Alcoa won it in 13 and so We've uh, we've been we've been very fortunate to play some really good programs. And the schedule you guys have put together for 2021, it, they're always tough. But and there's a little added extra challenge when you consider you're throwing Oakland in there, and you're taking yeah. out six ace best. Yeah, it uh, oh. you know in, in in 2011 again, just kind of going back to to that first year, thinking about playing um, you know Brentwood Academy and Montgomery Bell Academy and Independence and Oakland and. Kane Ridge, who's an up-and-coming mm-hmm. program. I mean, it, it, it's uh, it's certainly exciting uh, for our kids. You know, they, they've gotten to the point where uh, they want to play in those games every week. And, you know, last year uh, getting to play Riverdale uh, was was really awesome. You know, that's a that's a great program. And um, so, you know, we're, we're excited about it. You know, the Rutherford County football speaks for itself. And, and Oakland has been the class of, uh, of the state for several years now. So we know – 
that uh, that we got our hands full. Um, but you know, it's it's fun to go out and compete against uh, some of the best. A lot of good quarterbacks that you're going to see from those opponents as well. What do you think about the way the quarterbacks have improved in this area over the last few years? Yeah, so, so uh, when people ask me about improvements in football in Middle Tennessee, it, it, it really, to me, goes back to the technology advancements. And so um, every school now has access to, to watching film on a regular basis and quality film and film that actually, you know, you don't have to spend, you know, hours upon hours cutting up. And, right burning DVDs or, uh, you know, making copies of video cassettes and, and all of that old school Or having stuff. a meet halfway exchange halfway film. Exchange <laughs> film and someone gives you a blank copy mm-hmm. or someone accidentally gives you the JV game right. or whatever. <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, so, so it's, it's definitely helped out. And, and I think, uh, you know, football's a numbers game. Every, everyone knows that. And with Middle Tennessee booming um, – you know, it's 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 a population increase. You know, Atlanta became one of the best spots for football because of the population, and um, and so Nashville's no different. We're booming. People are moving in here. Uh, Rutherford County's booming. You know, they got a lot of people moving in there, and so that that's where you start getting some of these really high profile kids. Um, you know, Jalen Ramsey. You know, being a first round pick. Bar- Derek Barnett coming out of this area. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of who who some of the more recent ones were, but but we've had some some really good high quality kids for sure. Yeah. Golden taping one of those. Yeah, as well. go, Golden Tate. I mean, yeah. we were talking about John Henderson from Pearl <laughs> right. Cone a couple uh, couple days ago. John Henderson was as as high profile as they come. Outland mm-hmm. Trophy winner, and and so uh, you know, definitely excited for uh, for for what Middle Tennessee has and what Tennessee has overall. Yeah get a new venue if you make it to the end this year Chattanooga gets the uh, Blue Cross Bowl um, what are your thoughts on on moving that you know, I know I know you got to get there first but what are your thoughts on uh, on moving the Blue Cross Bowl to Chattanooga well uh, being a, a Nashville native I'm, I'm certainly partial to uh, the memories I have as a kid of making bowls of chili and uh, going over to the, the clinic bowl yep. at Dudley Field, Vanderbilt Stadium. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I appreciate what Tennessee Tech did. I appreciate Chattanooga's input. But uh, travel considerations uh, have not been taken into account. You know, like it doesn't make any sense why you wouldn't have the last game in the most central part of the state where everyone can get to in an easy drive. Um, and so now you've got Memphis schools that are going to be uh, – you know, I don't know how they're going to get there. Like, yeah. I don't know how you get from Memphis to Chattanooga. There, there's, no there's no easy, easy way, way to get from no. Memphis to Chattanooga. Yeah, and so so uh, if I was a West Tennessee guy, I'd be a little bit more sore. You know, we're still two hours. You know, Cookville was a little bit over an hour and 15, hour and 20 yeah. minutes from CPA. Um, but, I, you know, we'll play We'll play in a parking lot. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to we'll, we'll play. We'll play anywhere. It doesn't matter. You know, if you make it to that, that game the week after Thanksgiving – um, you know, that your kids are excited, your community is excited. And, uh, you know, uh, the stadium in Chattanooga, Finley Stadium, is a, is a great place. I played there in college. Um, I've got good memories on that field. And, um, you know, it's, it's a great venue. But uh, whatever gets in the way of, of common sense sometimes is hard to, to watch. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, I know money becomes involved. And as I mentioned earlier, when money gets involved, things get construed maybe a little bit 
opposite of what all of us feel is is nice. I mean, even you know Alabama and Auburn rotate the the thing. Just come up with something that yeah. makes sense yeah. versus just basing it on money. Um, right. You know, Middle Tennessee made a lot of sense at MTSU for a long time. You know, right. um, but but I, I'd love to see it in Knoxville and in Memphis. And I know you're you're traveling, but if you alternate years, play one in the Liberty Bowl, play one in Nayland Stadium. I mean, do something fun. Play one at Vanderbilt. Go on a three year. I mean, we are a state that prides itself on West, Middle, and East. Why wouldn't you go on a three-year cycle and play one in all three of those cities? Yeah. But, uh, you know, that would take – But not Martin. Huh? <laughs> not Martin. Not, not Martin. <laughs> why, why not Martin? And that's that's a little difficult to get to. No, <laughs> my, daughter, my daughter spent four years at uh, Martin. I got you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I just I just think that there's, there's maybe a way to do it that uh, – that seems to make a little bit more sense than just putting it somewhere that bids money. Like I, at that point, to me, like it needs to be about the kids. It doesn't need to be about making money. It, it should be, hey, let's figure out. You know, James Franklin, who is at Vandy, was as good as anybody at welcoming people into that stadium. The last staff, I don't. You know, it, it got a little weird. Like it was almost like they didn't want you at Vandy to do stuff. We were fortunate enough because we were close by, but you know, costing the cost of games and doing things like that. And so I hope Coach Lee and his staff will be excited. But Coach Heupel and Coach Silverfield at Memphis, I mean, if I was those guys, I'd be begging to have it yep. at these places um, to get to show off what I have and to get those families and people in my in my community. So, anyway, it's a it's a, it's a a whatever. I'm excited. The Chattanooga people are excited, and uh, we're happy to, to, to have the opportunity to play. Well, let's take a break there. And uh, we'll be right back. Uh, this is uh, Coaches and Q, 615 Preps from Edley's Barbecue. Welcome back. Uh, we are here at Edley's Barbecue with Coach Ingle Martin here on Coaches and Q. Now, let's roll a little bit into uh, learning a little bit more about our coach here. Um, I understand, uh, well, people understand you're, you're a great football player when you went to NBA. But what they may not know is that you lettered in four sports. You lettered in soccer, basketball, and baseball as well as football, correct? And track. And track. Okay. See, I knew somewhere I was going to make a mistake. <laughs> and track. You uh, what made you choose football or did, did it choose you? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, and uh, actually, I've had this conversation with a lot of kids um, over the years, uh, because I was blessed to have a guy have that conversation with me, uh, Jamie Redman, who's still over at NBA where I went to high school, um, pulled me to the side. I, I thought I was, as a kid, you know, you think you're everything. And, and I thought I was a soccer player, uh, when I was young, played a lot of travel soccer, love soccer, you know, uh, then basketball was my love. Uh, thought I was going to go. My sister had just gone to university of Arizona and, they had just won a national championship, so I thought, all right, I want to go play at Arizona. In um, my freshman year of high school, Jamie Redman pulled me to the side and, and talked about some mathematics, and he made it real simple. And he said, you know, you're a, uh, you're a really good basketball player. He goes, you know, 6'2", you can shoot, you can, you know, you can dunk, you can do all these things, which is awesome. He said, you're, you're probably going to be one of the top probably 500 or top 1,000 kids in the country. He goes, that's, that's incredible, you know. And I was like, man, that's awesome. Thanks for saying that. And he said, but football, you're going to be one of about 10. He said, there's not going to be many 6'2 kids that can run a 4'5 and can throw the ball 70 yards and can punt 
and can you know throw a catch whatever you whatever you want to say about athletically and so I I, I listened to him and uh, he was dead right you know um, my senior year uh, all my opportunities were in football and so really having someone that saw what I could be before I even saw it and before my parents saw it and coach Bowers um, you know talked my talk to my parents soon after that and kind of let them know that 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 might be coming down the line and so uh, for me you know coming coming out of the family that I came from you know paying for college was important and so I didn't really care I wanted to play at the highest level and make sure my parents didn't have to pay and so really like you said football football kind of chose me um, and I really you know football I, I, we could probably have a whole show on it uh, if you wanted to but you don't um, but just the, the just the journey football has taken me on has been incredible you know I'm wearing a Furman shirt today coincidentally, coincidentally enough um, but without you know playing football at Furman I wouldn't be coaching and so you know playing and playing at Florida and doing all that uh, I was almost ready to be done with football and so football's been an amazing part of my life but you know Furman showed me you could be a husband and a father and a coach you know before that the only thing I saw was guys that sacrificed everything to be you know guys that um had a chance to coaching at the power five level you know coach Spurrier who I signed with and went down and played for a year I think he ran a different program but the staff that came in because he left after my freshman year they were they were guys that basically sold out everything to 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 rise to the top which a lot of people do in life you know you you go and it's all about your career and um Tim Sorrells and Bobby Lamb, guys that coached me at Furman, showed me that that it could be could be something different. So, without football, you know, my wife and my kids and what I'm doing now, I mean, every, everything would have changed. So, just that one little conversation from a guy, and you, you mentioned, you know, football choosing you is pretty pretty uh, interesting way of putting it. But but that certainly happened for me. And so, um, you know, we, when we were off air a minute ago, you know, we all were talking about. Um, just the opportunities and for whatever reason in our country football football is really valued and so there's 85 opportunities at every division one school and so there's lots of money to go around to help kids pay for their school um and so that that was a huge blessing and um you know the other sports i, I appreciated i you know i still appreciate um i love playing it i wish i'd played more tennis you know wish i'd played more golf you know all, all these different things that uh that you can compete in but um I really think playing athletics for a, for a high school kid is probably the most important thing he can do because um, it's so important to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And, that, and that's really the, the benefit. And so to, to have been able to experience that after uh, high school and after college is, is, was an incredible piece of, of my life. But, yeah, uh, definitely, uh, definitely someone that loves, loves playing sports and loves watching them. Uh, that brings us to our viewer question of the, of the week. Uh, this question came from Tim Morgan of Lafayette, um, and he was wondering, you know, a person with your experience where you played in college, you played in the pros, uh, why would a person with your experience and credentials choose high school coaching over opportunities that may present themselves in college or, or in the pros? Uh, well, I think, I think I've answered that two different ways, and, and you answered it, um, you know, I said earlier, you know, guys who coach high school come to coach high school because it's a calling. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't, no one makes it in high school going to be rich and famous and, and to be someone that everyone admires. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very um, thankless job, you know, uh, not a whole lot of glory, whatever the world says. And so I really I feel like high school football chose me, like you said. 
um, just like the sport chose me. And so I I've, couldn't be more blessed to be in the job that I'm in. Um, I think everyone's got different things that they want to experience or need to experience in, in life to, to feel like they've done everything they can. And, and right now I feel very uh, thankful to have the job that I have. And, you know, I get to help coach my kids sports teams and, you know, uh, got to be out at, at my eight-year-old's baseball game for two and a half hours last night and um, got to pick up my son from camp today and take him home and, and eat lunch with him. And so so there's lots of things that, that high school football affords you. And so that question, you know, I, I, I guess maybe if I had grown up in a different place or had had a different set of life circumstances, I might have that desire to do something. And, and there's definitely a an itch sometimes that you feel like scratching, but uh, – Going on 12 years now, I, I just kind of pray the same prayer every year, which is, God, give me give me everything that I need to have to get through this year because without you, I, I can't do any of it. And so for me, that's what I ask him. And so if he one day says, hey, you need to go look over here or go do something, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to that and I'll follow that. But right now, um, my wife and I are really happy at CPA with the with the community that we have and the kids that we get to coach and um, really looking forward to, to this next 2021 season and so um you know we're we're excited about it and again got a great group of coaches that I get to coach with and uh excited about you know what what God's got for us this year and and I think that's for all of us I I think you know to to be able to get to a spot where wherever God has you to be content with it and to be able to uh just say all right you got me here for a reason and uh, you know I mentioned you know kind of how we go about each season like we want to do the very best we can for the people that God's put in our care and so we're stewards of this job and so until he calls me into another job somewhere else I'm going to do the best I can here and and right now again we're, we're excited um, you know we just got to go on a on a little makeshift vacation if you will it, it was supposed to start with some fishing in Alabama and a Braves game on Monday and in between my wife um, who was a uh, uh, actually a five-time state champion at Ezel Harding here in Nashville as a softball pitcher. She was blessed to be able to play softball at Alabama for four years as a pitcher, but Alabama hosted the Super Region. So we, we added up everything. We said, all right, we can go fishing on Thursday. We can get to Hoover Thursday night to watch Vanderbilt play baseball, get to Tuscaloosa Friday at noon to watch Alabama play softball. And then my favorite restaurant in Greenville, uh, Tommy's Country Ham House, was closing after 36 years. Y'all would love it. And so we went and saw Tommy Stevenson and some good friends of ours, Brian Bratton, who's the receiver coach at Furman, who's one of my best friends, saw him and his wife and their three kids. We got to eat breakfast there on Saturday, and we went to church with them. His wife works at a church in Greenville, so we went to church Sunday morning then went and got lunch at Tommy's. Drove home and went to the Braves game on Monday. So amazing! That, that's what you get to do as, if you're a high school coach. You get, you get some freedom to do that kind of stuff. So, Well, outstanding answer. And, Tim, thank you so much for uh, uh, sending in that question. We do appreciate it. And, uh, Pope, folks, uh, you know, you have a question for us, uh, make sure you call them in. Uh, I'm going to switch gears. Call them in. Yeah, <laughs> call them in. Uh, yeah. Hit our hit our social media, okay? Yeah, yeah. D- DM, DM. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't know I didn't know operators were standing by. <laughs> oh, twenty four hours yeah. a day, seven days a week. That's right. You just have to yeah. put the phone call in the form yeah. of a direct message on our Twitter. 
I think that uh, I think that uh, I hit my glitch for the episode. Not, not, Ninety-nine cents a minute, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't take this kind of call. Standard rate supply. Standard yes. rate supply. Yes. Oh my oh. gosh! Wow. Uh, we had a flashback right there. <laughs> Showing my age just a little bit. That's all right. We we all appreciate that. It's funny the the pastor speaking of that that church sermon on Sunday. He said something was hilarious. He got up there and talked about you can't you can't fully understand something until you learn to possess it. And you can't possess it until you learn how to understand it. He said, "I I loved my iPhone eight, and my family got me a brand new iPhone 12. Mm. And you can't fully appreciate something until you understand it. And he's like, and I have no idea what I'm doing. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm, we all know I'm playing it by ear. Yeah, yeah. me too sometimes. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, this went off the rails. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about uh, private schools. Um, we deal uh, – a lot of the people that uh, – we've talked to or a lot of people that I've talked to I don't understand that the differences that may face a private school athlete versus a public school athlete I don't know that there is one is there is there any more challenges that a uh, a, pri- a private school athlete might run into than uh, maybe a public school athlete you know I think that's a it's an interesting interesting question I think the the biggest thing is you've got um you got different walks of life all over this state, all over this country. And um, there are certainly big differences between a kid at CPA and a kid at Pearl Cone or a kid at Macon County. You know, they grow up in a different community. They grow up around different people. They grow up with different environments. Um, but what I've seen, and, and I've got friends that coach public school. I've got friends that coach private school. I've got friends that coach big schools. I've got friends that coach at small schools. Is, is every single one of these kids that we coach – wants to know really one one thing two things that they want to know that they belong in a group of people and they want to know what they that they matter and so um whatever those circumstances are because you know uh life is tragic right and so a private school kid has a lot of opportunities at a lot of private schools right but there are some public school kids that have a lot of great opportunities alcoa and maryville uh, Ravenwood, Brentwood High. I mean, those those are public schools, but they've got tremendous opportunities. And then you've got kids that are coming from places where they're sleeping in a different home every night of the week. And so um, there are some of those kids that are in private schools, and there are some of those kids that are in public schools. And it really, to me, is determined on their successes. What, what kind of environment are they in? And so um, t- to say that uh, a kid has it harder at one place or the other, it just depends on what, what kind of question you're asking in terms of what that difficulty is. But, um, you know, I think private school kids, um, you know, they, they want to know that they belong. They want to know they matter. They want to know that they're a part of something that, that matters and that means something. And so uh, the best coaches, no matter what type of school they're at, do a great job of bringing those kids in and letting them know that they got something to offer to a big group of people. And, again, just talking more and more about being a part of something bigger than yourself, coming into a group and saying, hey, man, you got something to give our group. We want you to come give it. And every one of us as men want someone to see that in us and to call that out of us. And, and that's what, to me, that's what high school football can do. And it doesn't matter if you're at a public school or a private school. Okay. Well, that, that's a great answer because it actually answered two or three 
questions that I had <laughs> knocked out. Um, we've seen uh, several former NFL players developing coaches in the Middle Tennessee area. Um, you know, is this a good thing? Uh, and what is, what is uh, what might uh, they bring to the table that other coaches may not? Well, I, I certainly think uh, since gosh, what what year was it? Ninety seven. When did the Titans play? Ninety seven. Uh, they were they were Memphis 90, for a year. Yeah, ninety eight was the first yeah, year 90, in the stadium. Yeah. Or ninety nine. Ninety eight. They were in Vanderbilt Stadium. Ninety seven. They were in Memphis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know. Ever since the Titans came to town, you've got a bunch of people all over the country who are coming here from different walks of life to be a part of the Titans franchise, and they fall in love with the city. And so you've got a lot of people that love the city. The city's obviously exploding. We talked about that off air, just the population boom of Nashville and football's a numbers game. And so um, I think with, uh, with that, you know, you've got – guys that have become familiar with the city who have played the game at the highest level and um, you know it, it, having a great athletic career does not ever correlate into a great coaching career um, I think oftentimes the best coaches were the worst players um, a few times the best coaches were the best players you know yeah uh, and so there's not a whole lot of those guys I'm, I mean I, I'm trying to think of who the most successful players slash coaches. I'm sure y'all have a list in your mind. Um, Phil Jackson was an unbelievable coach and played at the highest level, you know, on a championship team. You know, who else? You know, give me some give me some names. Uh, let's, let's see. Bill, yeah, Bill yeah, Curry was, say, was a really good yeah, player. Bill yeah, Curry Bill was Curry. a great one. Yeah. Um, I guess it's yet to be seen about Dion. He, he wasn't a head coach, but Dick LeBeau. Dick LeBeau was yeah, good. really good player. Yeah. Jeff Fisher. Obviously, Jeff was Fisher, good enough yep. to, to be in the NFL yeah. and, and was a was a was a great coach. So anyway, so so yeah. you you asked about what that meant. Uh, I just think you know guys that have played can can uh, you know attach a lot of their adult lives sometimes to the game of football. Mm-hmm. Um, and football gets more and more sophisticated the higher up you go. And I think the best coaches. Um, and and doesn't matter if you played in the NFL or not, can make that game simple at every level. And so an NFL guy, they've got a bunch of experiences as a player to bring. Um, but oftentimes when you look at NFL football, college football, and high school football, it's the same game, but there are completely different philosophies behind each one of them that lead to success. And so uh, it, it, I think as a player, you know, for me speaking, you know, I just can reflect on – I've, I've, I've sat in that fire before, you know. I've, yeah. I've felt that heat before, and I think whether that's a high school player, a college player, or a pro player, being able to to play and relate to that is an important piece. But, you know, honestly, we've had guys that didn't play high school football that have coached for us and have been tremendous coaches because they understood what the game was about and they understood building relationships was the most important piece of it. Yeah. Well, I just I, as we see uh, – it, it seems like, especially the national area, with the growth and everything that you mentioned earlier, we're seeing some of that more. Of course, now we're also seeing it at the college level with Eddie George over at TSU. Uh, so I think the, the question really sprung out of a, a lot of that. Uh, you know, wondering if you have, like, insider rivalries with any of the other <laughs> coaches around here that may have played at that level. No, th- there's no there's no real rivalries, you know. Um, you know, we've got uh, Leroy Harris is, is – coaching with us and 
you know, I mentioned him and his wife before, and, uh, you know, he was a teammate of mine. And so, so it's fun to have uh, guys that you, that you played with. You know, obviously a lot of my relationships have been built around football, and so whether they're coaching with me or I'm coaching against them, you know, my best friends, most of them were around the game of football, whether that was high school, college, or, or afterwards. And so um, I think that's, that's for all of us, you know, the stuff that we get involved in, the stuff that we commit to. And when you go and kind of sweat and, and bleed with somebody next to you, I think it, it builds a bond. And, um, you know, football certainly provides that opportunity. I, I got one more question before we hit those others. So let me get this one. Because, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this goes back to my research. Uh, you know, you, you certainly more than just a coach, but uh, your your role is actually the director of transformational coaching. Is that correct? That that is a title that uh, is on my name somewhere on our website. Yeah. Okay. Which it, it <laughs> kind of promotes. Teach, I teach. Yeah, I teach. I teach history in the high school. Um, before COVID, um, is is right before COVID. The year before. Uh, I started moving into a, a little bit different role with uh, our athletic director and, and our head of school. And so um, last year with COVID coming out, we kind of made a, a pretty concerted effort to allow people to have some space. You know, just our school speaking, you know, teachers had to be in the classroom with kids all day long. Lunch was not a normal lunch. You had to have kids in your room for half a lunch. And so as a teacher, you find out that meeting time is very limited because if you're teaching five classes and you're coaching a sport, it's hard to, to have a bunch of extra stuff on top of you. And so you're asking about what that, what that role was or what that role is, and it's really built on um, what the TWSAA has really started to, to kind of bring into Nashville and to, to the greater Tennessee area, which is uh, the Inside Out Initiative, um, which the NFL's gotten behind, the Titans, Josh Corey, who he'd be a great guy to have on coaches in Q. He was a high school coach himself, and he's the – Titans um, community relations director here and he's done unbelievably good work for uh, all of us high school coaches I mean the Titans are more involved than they've ever been with high school football because of Josh and so uh, Josh has gotten behind this this and the TLSAA has gotten behind it but it really started with a guy named Joe Ehrman and if any of you your listeners or if either one of you want to read a great book over the next couple weeks I highly recommend Season of Life and uh, Joe was a Baltimore Colt all-pro football player, actually lacrosse player at Syracuse and football player, got drafted, um, became a great star. But it, it kind of was going to be a, an article that the guy who ended up writing the book was covering, I think for the Washington Post, was doing a where are they now for the Baltimore Colts. And he goes and starts interviewing Joe Ehrman, and he finds out that this needs to be a book. This is amazing. And so – it's actually the 2001 football season, which obviously all of us, you know, remember as, as September 11th being, you know, obviously a big day for change in our country. And so um, it's that season of a high school football team. And Joe's the defensive coordinator. He's a community coach. He's a pastor at a church. And um, it's just a, just an amazing story about what high school football could be, what coaching could be. And so since then, Joe wrote another book, Inside Out Coaching, Um he started this initiative with a with a woman named Jody Redman out of Minnesota, and so the the two of them have gotten together and have really made a huge dent in helping coaches grow and develop. And, it, and it's not about X's and O's; it's really about your own story, making sense of the story that kind of God put in your life. And um, really, so as Joe says, you don't vomit it up on the people you care about most. Oftentimes, the people that we're in community with and the people that um, 
we're most closely associated with get our worst. And in coaching, when you're put under that fire, when you're put under that heat of a pressure situation to make a decision or a kid, you make the right decision and a kid drops it or a kid misses a block, how do you respond and how do you react? And for a lot of our lives, each probably all of us have a story about a coach who, who wounded us by by doing something because he reacted out of his own flesh and his own uh, selfishness because he didn't see you as a as a young boy, you know, whatever that story is for you. He saw you as a as a just a pawn in his bigger game. And if you couldn't catch the pass, you were worthless to him. And so Joe's work is really saying that everyone's got value. Everyone matters, you know. And so it, it's really not about winning and losing. It's about what uh, real manhood is, which is a relationship with other people and, and working for a cause bigger than yourself. So, again, I could talk for another podcast about that if you ever want to. But uh, have, Absolutely. have Josh Corey on to talk about the good work that the Titans are doing and – and have, um, you know, TWSAA, Matthew Gillespie has been uh, unbelievable s- supporting this. And, and it's just a, a really good um, deal. The, the problem with the Inside Out initiative, and if any administrators are listening, is that everyone eventually is judged, right, by your record as a coach. Administrators are judged by their records with, you know, test scores or athletic performances. And we really have to push back against that and find a community and a state association that believes that it's about educating kids and not about winning and losing. And the people that do a really good job of educating kids sometimes don't win the most games. And so it, it becomes a really hard balancing act because the administrators got to put their money where their mouth is, which is we believe that it's this is really about education-based athletics, not about winning. And uh, Joe talks about a win-at-all-cost culture that that the United States has established. And um, it's sad because guess who gets gets the brunt of that? A 15 or a 16 or a 17-year-old kid who, um, you know, no no kid goes home at night and says, you know what, I want to drop the pass tomorrow. You know what, I want to fumble the ball to lose the game for our team. Or I want to miss a read and give up, you know, a big play. Um, they all want to do well. And so when kids screw up, or what about when a, one of your coaches forgets to do something? Or what about when you forget to do something? What are we, what are we doing? Or how are we teaching that? How are we handling adversity in our estate association? How are we dealing with it from an administrative level? How are we dealing with head coaches? Are the head coaches that are getting promoted and supported in our state ones that are win at all costs? Or are they ones that really believe in transformation through education, which is what this is all about? We're trying to help take a 15-year-old to an 18-year-old, from a boy to a man, and so, from someone who can go out into our society who knows it's not all about just stepping on people's heads and climbing to the top of the, the ladder of success. It's about how you go about your business way more than it is about what kind of business you do. And so there's a, there's a ton there. Um, y'all want to talk about football, but but to me, that's what high school football should be about. You know, not really about winning, not r- running a slant route or an out route. You got to do all those things, and, and Joe talks about it, and again – uh, just he, he's done so much work, but really uh, the, the Inside Out initiative tries to get guys to look at your goal as a coach and your purpose as a coach. And so what is your goal? Goals to win the game, but what's your purpose? Purpose is much greater than your goal. Purpose is to, to help take a 15-year-old to be an 18-year-old and to be a man that walks out of your program that can be productive and that knows that he doesn't need to 
squish everyone on his way to the top, you know, that he needs to really think about outside of himself. How can he serve others? How can he be a contributing member to his team, not the only member that matters, you know? Well, that's probably the most profound way I've ever thought of of coaching, to put it that way, that you're taking somebody, you know, from 15 to 18 and going from a boy to a man. Yeah. I mean, I mean that sums up coaching right there, but more than that. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And Joe, Joe, uh, when, when you read that book, if you read it, you'll see, you know, yeah, I got some of that. And if a coach is listening, yeah, I might do some of that. But the, the intentionality that he puts into how are we teaching it, how are we going about it, how are we taking a group of coaches who all 10 of us have a unique set of experiences in our lives, how can I go and share that? Because really, you know, you go back to ancient civilizations, men sat around fires and, and shared stories with each other. And so trying to get these boys to start learning from the stories of older men. And so, uh, you know, sometimes in our society now, dads are really busy or dads aren't present. And so when a dad's busy because he's working and he's trying to provide and pay for a private school education, or maybe my, I don't know my dad. My dad ran out on my mom when I was a baby and right. I never met him. We have a, a lack of male role models and male figures, and I think these high school coaches, a lot of them, most of them are really good men, and if they're able to start sharing some of that hard stuff in life, they're going to help that 100 or 50 kids that are sitting in that locker room that can now say, wow, I'm not alone when I feel scared. I'm not alone when I feel ashamed, or I'm not alone when, when I struggle with alcohol or drugs or you know, pornography or whatever that struggle is for a, for a, for a boy. Cause these are all real things. And I think the more that we shine light on that, that life again is hard. Life is tragic. Life is not just waking up and tackling people and throwing touchdowns. It's, it's a lot more important than that because eventually we all know this, but football is going to end, you know? And so whether that's at 18, 23 or 28 or Tom Brady, 58, you know, whenever he's done, you know, I don't know when he's going to be done. <laughs> Foot, football ends. And so you, yeah. you're living most of your life as a husband and as a father and, and as something other than an offensive tackle or a nose guard or a punter or a kicker or a point guard or a pitcher or whatever it is, you know. Well said. Absolutely. Going to take a break here. Let's finish this thing up. We got some yeah. more questions to ask him. Yeah, just a, yeah, just a, a couple. The, the fun part, of, the, the fun part fun, of it starts now. The fun part, yeah. Good, good. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, I'd argue that the fun part started probably a couple of questions ago when I <laughs> loved. Well, <him>. yeah. <laughs> uh, I was okay. willing to let you off the hook, but since you went there. <laughs> yeah. I well, no, no, no. This is what it is. Yep. Um, coach, uh, you know Tennessee weather is starting to turn us. You know, normal, hot and humid self. What's worse to deal with, Green Bay winter or Tennessee humidity? Uh, I appreciate them both. You know, um, you know, I, I'm. You can prepare yourself for winter. It's hard to just take off the pads and helmet in the summer. Um, but I don't know. Playing in minus twenty is not normal. <laughs> playing playing in 95 with 95% humidity feels normal to me. So yeah. I think playing in really cold weather is tougher. Okay. All right. Now, gosh, please let me get these right. Born in Memphis, raised in Nashville, went to school in the Carolinas and did time in Kansas City. So I'm going to ask you, 
who has the best barbecue? And if you say Texas, I'm going to fall right out. <laughs> well, if uh, if I had been in Texas, it might qualify me to answer that. But I have eaten good Texas barbecue, and you got it. This brisket that you got in front of you today is Texas brisket. So y'all both ordered it. So I don't, you know, I, I don't. Knew it. I don't know. Commits what, to falling out. But 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 I will say. Uh, you know, there is um, something different about pulled pork, and that's what I grew up on here in yep. Nashville, Middle Tennessee. Good Middle Tennessee pulled pork is 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 my favorite. Um, but what I found is being around a bunch of different people, it's whatever you grew up, whatever, whatever you got used to eating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were lucky enough in Kansas City. We got invited to go taste test at the American Royal Barbecue Contest in Kansas City. So mm-hmm. you're talking about different level of barbecue. And then, you know, I mentioned off air about the uh, – you know, the friend uh, at CPA, actually a couple friends, Peter Swanson and Rob Marlowe, who, who both played at CPA, who run You Like a Barbecue, which was a competition team. And, and I think they've kind of retired that team, but those guys know how to cook. And, and they're the ones, and they're both from Nashville that know how to do it. But it's a uh, it's definitely an art, and there's a lot more science behind it than you might think. But, uh, but I certainly appreciate all it. Put it this way, I never met a piece of barbecue that I, I really didn't like. So. <laughs> Okay. Well, in all of your years as a football player, what was the best atmosphere that you experienced? Um, best atmosphere? Uh, you know, the the, um, uh, the the one that comes to mind is the very first time I ran out in the swamp my freshman year um, against Marshall. We played Marshall 2001. I was redshirted, but I was fortunate enough to get to dress out for the game, so I was – you know, in my helmet, shoulder pads, and it literally, when those doors opened up, it felt like a vacuum was just sucking you out into this energy. I mean, it was crazy. And so, to have never experienced that, um, but I tell you that the place that I got the chills walking into was Death Valley down at LSU. Unbelievable place. Um, Nayland's as good as any. And then, you know, the NFL stadiums, when they get rolling, um, you know, it's, it's a different it's a different level playoff atmosphere in an NFL stadium. It's a different different level but shoot I don't know if you've been to Green Bay Green Bay's feels like a college stadium college atmosphere and um yeah so I, I don't know what the what the greatest was the the thing as a player see in the NFL I, I did a lot of watching so I got to experience it a little bit but as a player you don't notice it you know right. um we, we got to play Miami in the Orange Bowl in 2003 and Miami was rolling at the time and um you know that that's a really cool place I just was watching the thing on ESPN about them tearing down the Orange Bowl to build the new Miami Marlins Stadium, and it's pretty sad that we get rid of some of these iconic stadiums. But uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. It's hard hard to answer. I appreciate all of them. I love baseball ballparks. You know, I I just love stadiums in general. Yeah, I'm in the middle of one of uh, uh, trying to hit all the major league stadiums. I'm a that's I, awesome. I love uh, I love a good. Uh, a good atmosphere. Fen- Fenway. I did. I did. Got to go to Fenway in college. Got to go to Wrigley a couple times when we were up in Green Bay. Um, old Yankee Stadium. I got to go into unbelievable old Tiger Stadium. Oh, wow. I was at an yeah. AAU basketball yeah. tournament, and my mom. I was like, we have to go. Like, I don't care. We're going. <laughs> and she's like, okay, whatever you say. So there's. I love it. I love all the stadiums. Kansas City. You been to Kansas City's baseball stadium? Uh, no, it's actually on my list this year. Yeah, it, Kaufman. Yeah, it's just in the middle of the parking lot. Yeah. I like I like them with a little bit of 
little bit of flair. Yeah. You know, like even Bush Stadium in St. Louis has a little bit of, like you're in the middle of downtown. City flair, yeah, yeah, you kind of yeah. Kansas City. They tried to make like the old water fountains and stuff. Yeah, that, yeah. you know, but. Hey, the, we're we're trying. We're going between a couple. That one was on my list. My dad actually just went, but uh, yeah, I remember flying into Kansas City at a layover in Kansas City. And you're right. You can see Arrowhead Stadium and Coffin Stadium parking lot. Yep. Right as you're coming coming in. Yeah. So. Now, now and, and a football stadium, I, I tend not to mind being in that situation. Yeah. But a baseball stadium, it's just all the great ones are in the middle of something. Right. Besides a parking lot, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Hundred percent. The the new Atlanta stadium, we just went to that Monday. Mm-hmm. They did a great job of building that in the middle of nothing, but they built it a city around it. Right. You know? Right. It's, it's really a, cool. much better than Turner Field, which yeah. was a park in the middle of a parking lot. Yes. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I miss the old launching pad. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I went to high school in Atlanta. So. Okay. Um, okay, can't count yours, so we're letting you off the hook here a little bit, but which Nashville area high school do you feel has the best atmosphere? Nashville area. Um, well, I mentioned Giles County. I think that's one of the coolest stadiums. We got to play in Lincoln County in high school, yep. the pit, when the pit's rolling. It's as good as any, mm-hmm. I think. Um, if you want to limit it to, to just Nashville and surrounding counties, um, trying to think who has, you know, the the, the very best one. I, I tend to like the stadiums without a track around them, you know. Um, and you said I can't mention ours, but I, I just don't know that there's a better one in the, the Nashville area than ours because you're down in a in a bowl they dug it out you know it's it's you're close to the action you know the the fans literally can hear every word that you're you're saying as a coach and you can hear every word that they're saying and uh there's something there's something about our stadium that i really like um so i you know the ones with tracks around them all seem the same to me yeah you know like i hate Mm -hmm. to say that but they they all are kind of the same um there definitely is an intimacy over at cpa in that stadium yeah yeah definitely um so you know, uh, you know, Innsworth, you know that they, they they built theirs, but it doesn't have a track around it. Right. And the year I coached over there, there were some really good games. We played them several times, and you know we had an overtime game over there where you know it was packed out. And um, you know, I I really I just like that. I think all, all the players and coaches kind of love playing. You know, in those in those tight kind of um, stadiums. So uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question. No, no, no. What's, it did. What's your What's your best? I love Macon counties. We, yeah. we 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 went up there my very first year, and we scrimmaged up there a couple of times. That's a great high school stadium. No track around it. I love it. It's in the middle of the town. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And th- those are the ones that like someone needs to y'all need to do a, a tour of the best high school stadiums for for your show. I've been I've been uh, something that we've been discussing yeah. actually. Uh, because we definitely have different opinions on. Uh, so, what are y'all's top top two? You mentioned Lincoln County. I've been down there for uh, for games myself. So, that, yeah, that would be on my list. Um, Gallatin actually has. Yeah, Gallatin's one of those. is nice. I I'd never been. My my kids were playing baseball up there, um, and I called Chad Watson. We were up there, and I called Chad. And said, "Hey, can we get a game up here, please? This place is awesome." We drove <laughs> over and looked at it because my dad grew up in Gulletsville, so he mm-hmm. always talked about Gallatin beating the beating the stew out of them and so uh when we went up and looked at it man that that's that's an iconic yeah. place for yeah. sure yeah uh for me uh pearl cone i love yeah. pearl cone yeah um just the atmosphere around 
uh, Trousdale County. Yep. yep. Trousdale County, when they are, I mean, that place, it doesn't really matter. It's on a Friday night. There's it, probably no harder place to win that in the Creek Bank on a, in November. Yeah. Than Trousdale yeah. County. Yep. Those, those, are, those are some of the ones that just come to mind. Yeah. Uh, you know, che- Cheatham County, we played them in the playoffs in the – in the quarters, and uh, that place got rolling pretty good. I mean, they, they had it packed out. I think that was 2012, but I like Cheatham Counties. Yeah. Cheatham, Cheatham Co- Counties. Columbia, actually. I like Columbia's, too. Yeah, Columbia's is nice. Down, down in the pole, Lindsey Nelson Stadium. That's yeah. a really one good I haven't got to. I haven't got to go there yet. Yeah, we, we played in a jamboree. Cool. That's a great place. Yeah. yeah. Rossview was a – Rossview, I really like their field up in uh, Clarksville. I thought Rossview was a, a, a really nice – it's, it's got a track around it. Does it? Uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think it I does. Think it, well, I, all I remember was that uh, their uh, their principal was just incredible. I tell you, I tell you, one that comes to my White House. Yeah. Now yeah. it also kind of has a track it around it, tra- but it's a but little it's, different because it's down I, I on the ball. I think you got to have two categories: track and no track. Track and no track. I'm, I'm okay. with that. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm with that. I'm with that. Well, the thing about, I like about White House is I think it reminds me a lot about my high school. Oh yeah, Norcross. Yeah. In Georgia, because we all also had that one. We were down in a pit on one side, and yeah. so, gosh, the stairs that I had to run because it was all concrete bleachers and all that. And then the other side was just yeah. uh, regular bleachers. And it reminds me a lot of that where I went to school. Springfield before they moved to the new stadium, their old one that's in the middle of town. Yeah, that's a neat place. Yeah, yeah. We played some a of middle the, school game up there. Some of the best grass I've ever seen. I wanted to grab my golf clubs. Yeah. Really? You could hit. You could oh, hit, that's you could, right. You could hit your yeah. three wood off a deck. Just yeah, just yeah, clean. Yeah, because Dustin he does he handles that field himself. Yes, he does. Yeah, that's incredible. Okay, one last question, Coach. Um, I mean, quite frankly, I you know I'm having so much time, fun. I could, <laughs> we could keep you here all evening. I don't want to do that. To we, you. Have my wife, we have barbecue. My wife might get mad. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in your years as an educator and a coach. What are you most proud of? Um, I think the the thing that uh, I'd be most proud of is, is just the um, the fact that I think all the guys that have coached with us and all the kids that have played for us have given everything they have, and and that's as a as a coach, that's all you can ask for is for uh, you to give everything you have, the people around you to give everything they have, and the kids. I mean, we haven't gotten to into one season where I didn't think, man. You know, these guys left a little bit on the table. You know, we've gotten beat at the end several times and, uh, you know, been beat by the better team. And, and a lot of those uh, moments is looking at a group of kids that have given it all, coaches that have given it all. And that that's really, I think, for me, the thing I'm most proud of is I, I just feel like all the guys and kids have, have given everything to uh, to their teammates and to their, uh, to their program. Outstanding. Well, Coach, we want to thank you for stopping by and speaking with us. Absolutely. Uh, thanking the good folks here at Edley's Barbecue for hosting us. Uh, again, good luck on the season, Coach, and in everything that you do uh, in the future. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, thank you, guys. Good luck to you all, and excited to see uh, who the next guest is. <laughs> <laughs> we are, too. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll let people know very soon about that one. Yeah, absolutely. So, for uh, Chris – Brooks and Coach Ingle Martin. I'm Scott Burton. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, this has been Coaches in Q. Have a great day. The 615 Preps Podcast is a production of B Squared Media, LLC.
Our theme music is A Closet Full of Bones by Mama Tribe and is used with their permission. You can download their music on the 615preps.com website or on SoundCloud. Your hosts for the 615 Preps podcast are Chris Brooks and Scott Burton. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CBrooksTN and Scott at SBurton615.